Coming to you from the kingdom of Marion, this is the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Wherever you may be listening in this world. And this is episode 111. The two main reasons why you're always broke. I get uh, asked several times a week about money issues. And I guess what a lot of people are expecting to hear our uh, conversations about, you know, inflation, job markets, GDP, stock market, that kind of thing. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because actually not a whole lot of that really matters. You see, there are some things that have been going on and have pretty much been under the radar to most working folks. And uh, I'm just going to limit this to America, since that is what I'm most familiar with. But um, you could probably apply this model to a greater or lesser extent throughout the industrialized world. But um, there are two primary factors. But before we go into those, first of all, off the top of your head, right now, without looking it up, what do you think one dollar was worth in 1950? Go ahead. You know, pause the show if you need to, that's fine. But, um, Take a gander at it, because the answer may surprise you. I've asked this question just to friends and family, and uh, they were nowhere near close of what it actually is. What it is, is $11.81. That's almost... 12 times. So, when you hear the old saying, well, a dollar doesn't buy what it used to, well, you can't get a greater understatement than that. Because that sure as hell is the case. So, without all of the complex economic talk that the people who are involved in this love to do, I'm going to lay it out in a much uh, more simplified form. And hopefully, what that will do is it will uh, enable you to visualize what I'm talking about here. But a 12 to 1, that's, um, that's pretty bad. And that's adjusting and basing on an average percentage rate. I think it was like uh, 3.4 something percent. 
Um, so anyway, well, you keep working and you keep staying broke. So where the hell's the money going? Well, again, as the old saying says, oftentimes the best way to keep something concealed is right in front of your face. And that's exactly what's been happening for many years. And this got going basically in the 60s was when it really took off. And um, what you're looking at here, I call them, I call them the one-two punch, is um, the way the money is deflated or devalued. And that is through mass printing, mass distribution, mass call up from the Fed of these um, these dollars, and um, that's a primary culprit. Um, every since, uh, particularly, actually, even a bit before that, but. Um, we officially went off the gold standard in 1972. That's when Tricky Dick Rick, uh, um, Nixon, Richard Nixon, uh, was in office, and he signed this into law. And that meant that, um, in effect, dollars no longer had to be correlated with actual gold. And that's when we really uh, had a field day with the Fed. Because what they knew back then, essentially, was that they were going to print money. Lots of money. They also knew that by doing this, ultimately, there is going to be a devaluation. This is why the term is used if you want to look this up, of fiat currency. Because there was a time when your dollar was actually redeemable in either silver or gold. Because we had silver certificates as well that was on the paper money. And then that quickly became what has stood to this very day, that this, um, you know, this dollar, this whatever amount it is, is considered legal tender for all debts, public and private. What does that mean? It means essentially nothing. That's what it means in real terms. So the piece of paper that you have in reality has been devalued to one-twelfth its original buying power in 1950, when we definitely were on the gold standard. Now, there are a lot of reasons there are proponents of being on the gold standard, uh, which I am in that camp. And then there are the uh, apologist and the other side of the camp that says, oh, no, no we wouldn't have been able to do all the things that we did without leaving the gold standard and best thing we ever did and blah, blah, blah. And that's just bullshit. 
because you see there is a fairly significant time lag between the time that this was initially instituted and when it actually begins to affect things. So say, for instance, in the case of coinage, uh, the coinage has dramatically changed and that changed once again a number of years ago. Whereas, um, for instance, if you had a, a silver dollar where the amount of silver began to be removed, that is the uh, illegal appropriation and defacing of a currency. But it became legalized. So it's a form of another form of legalized theft and the common person on the street doesn't even note it. Doesn't even notice at all because they don't know. So <clears throat> when you start printing lots and lots untold millions and billions of dollars of now these paper dollars, which are not tied to gold. Um, it's an absolute certainty that there's going to be devaluation. Now, of course, in between that time, we have been through ups and downs in the economy. And there are other factors that are involved that also affect this. But those factors that are involved, they were also around and certainly in effect before this huge change was instituted in 1972. And there wasn't that much of a variance in the interest rate margins because it was tied to, you know, a stable commodity. So, um, industry and the powers that be, the big movers and shakers in commerce, um, they basically, as usual, they didn't want to pay for, well, just about anything. So they had an end game, an end around game, and uh, that was going off the gold standard and uh, let the printing press presses fly. And ever since around the, definitely by the mid 60s, early 70s, they, they were flying. As fast as they could print them, they were flying. And for a while, for another 10, 15 years-ish, you heard all this hawkish talk about the, the debt. And uh, it was um, it was very polarized. You don't you don't hear it that much anymore. And I'm going to tell you why in a moment. But um, it was um, you know very polarized. And you heard this. It was a, supposed to be a major concern through the Republican Party. Um, they were just like tax and spend, tax and spend, but actually it wasn't so much the tax and spend as it was the print and, sp and spend, which they themselves were more than happy to take full advantage of. 
since it largely, you know, benefited them and huge companies. But you didn't hear much about that part of it. <clears throat> what you did hear about was the the, the huge debt and uh, several places, you know, they even installed as a promo and they, um, they put on, um, <clears throat> uh, not a promo, but I'd call it propaganda, the clock, the financial debt clock. And some places still may have that going on. And I'm sure now it's into the trillions of dollars. It's It just becomes meaningless. And it was actually, even when it was started, it was meaningless. But, um, yeah, when your, your buying power has been crippled by doing this all those years ago. So, overall... If you want to know why your paper dollars are basically worthless and getting worse every day, that's one of the primary reasons. But wait, there's more. The other punch of the one-two punch is something you very seldom hear about. And it's simple to explain... Um, but a lot of people, they still don't believe it. That's why I'm here. So the second one of the second punch are the profit ratios. Now, when I say profit ratios, and this, by the way, it got going, I would say, really well. This got going in the 80s. And it snowballed up until about 2000, somewhere around 2005, 2007, something like that. And uh, this is where you take a goods. And when I say by goods, I mean just about everything retail. And you change the profit ratios uh, from what it once was so let's say i'm selling x pair of shoes and it is um you know 1960 and i sell them for i don't know just kicking out a number you know sell them for 20 bucks and we're talking a good pair of quality leather shoes yeah you could you could do that then for 20 bucks yeah but then someone uh, came up with the notion that they said, well, hey, um, it's not this. And, and don't don't believe for a moment. That's that's the other um, bullshit line they love to kick out. Well, the price is what the market will bear. No, they set the market. They set the market. We'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, they said, well, hey, we can we can sell these for whatever we want. And uh, even if we take into account greater and greater efficiencies of production, if we take into account with those efficiencies that across the board, all things considered, the actual price 
from start to finish, including materials, labor, the whole thing, the whole shebang. The actual cost goes down. The cost of producing it, all things being equal and adjusted, actually goes down. So, purely as an example, these aren't hard numbers, just purely as an example. If that pair of shoes that was produced in 1960 cost, say, they're going to sell them for 20 and it cost them $10. Well, by 1970, the price, the cost of production probably went down to like $6. So, when you factor in the difference of that lower cost of production and then the increased asking price in 1970, there you have it. In other words, there are two ways in which on every single item that you buy that you're basically being ripped off and you're being ripped off right in front of you right at the point of sale. This is known. This is not preached or practiced. This is not what you hear as something commonly discussed. And for a very good reason, they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know what the real cost of anything is. Only the numbers, again, from the company source that they will be willing to share with you if they're willing to share anything at all. And as far as also, as far as that's concerned, well, as the old term used to put it, the books have been cooked. So when you have these two elements and you put this together, this is what is going on. And then there's something else additional with this because this primarily affected was, you know, manufactured goods. Didn't matter so much um, what the widget was. It could be anything, again, from a pair of shoes to a refrigerator. But it was all the same. And then came the food industry. And they looked at this and they scratched their chinny chin chin. And they quickly realized, hey, we could do the same thing. We can we can run the same racket. And they'll never know. Now, um, this is where along this time that uh, hiring um, much, much more in the way of, say, for instance, uh, migrant workers uh, really became solidly the norm. Because what many people may not know, can or realize, is that once upon a time, not that long ago, yes, Americans 
not Mexicans, Americans, a lot of Americans were picking fruit. They were doing the so-called horrible jobs that supposedly no one can or wants to do today. And it wasn't, you know, unofficially uh, dominated with uh, Mexican, you know, labor to do this. Um, a hell of a lot of people worked in the fields, black and white, and Asian as well. But eventually, <clears throat> they caught on um, in order to fulfill more profits, more dreams of more ungodly wealth. Uh, they were able to get the uh, Mexican labor at the cheapest rates. And um, it's been that way for... I don't know, 50 years or what have you. So anyway, uh, the idea in order to increase profits, though, is always to decrease cost. Now, when I say decreasing the cost on the surface, that may sound innocent enough and uh, perhaps academic even. But um what is the shenanigans of what is actually going on in most cases? Well, outright is thievery. Because they have cheapened labor to the point of, well, ridiculous. And the same thing with everything else. Meanwhile, steadily increasing the profit ratios. So when I had a chance to, uh, look into this some more. I wasn't actually surprised to find this, but particularly ever since the 1980s, the both have occurred. The profit ratios have dramatically increased. And it's, um, it's down to the same practice is being followed everywhere by everyone and for instance there's been a push not so much lately but you may or may not remember this um i think it was really the big uh, the the propagandist at whole foods was big for this because they're a big name and this whole greed green symbol of buy local and the tags everywhere on your, your produce or what have you. Buy local, buy local, buy local. And in theory, again, to support local merchants and, and you know, farmers or whatnot, again, it sounds good. And so a lot of people um, fell for that. But here's something that I noticed while all this feel-goodery was going on. Um, whether the produce was organic or not, and I'm not going to go into the whole organic thing right now, but I noticed that the local produce and various items were much more expensive. And so here's the idea. The idea with local, local is supposed to mean just that, like local, like you know, a few miles away from the store which the items are being sold is um, where it's produced. 
And so for so many different factors involved with that, the idea is like, yeah, you're supporting your local community and farmers. And again, that all sounds great. Um, but what they uh, actually increased were the profit ratios. Because when you look at this stuff and you compare it, and you can even do or compare organic to organic, local versus non-local, every single time it's more expensive. In every single case that I checked out, the local was more expensive. Now, I don't believe that any person with an iota of economics would uh, argue with me saying, well, in reality, if I'm supposed to be benefiting the community and the farmers and all this, this huge love bomb going off with the greenies and all that, why are you always charging me more? Well, as soon as you go down that path, well, then we have another whole series of explanations of why. But that's not the real reason. The real reason behind the scenes, again, goes full circle. It's profit ratios. I'll give you, for instance, just one small example but you could multiply this in hundreds of thousands of situations across America. Now, I actually did this. And actually, I've done it on several occasions and recorded and kept my receipts and did my research on this. And every single time, I came up with the same depressing answer. But anyway... Um, stopped off the side of the highway and it's basically an area where there's a truck stop and the truck stop itself, which, a, which is a, like a T and a, but in addition to the stores that they had, they had another very large area where there could be, uh, food carts, food trailers. And these are not uh, corporate company uh, carts. These are, you know, mom and pop kind of deals. And it's like, okay, so again, you're thinking, all right, well, mom and pop, and you want to support them, and you don't want to support the corporation, and you got you got all these these good intentions. In other words, you're trying to do the right thing. Okay, so I uh, stopped there, and I think I got like um, it was like a like all beef hot dog, and uh, and a soda, you know, a can of cola. Okay, and I'm saying I just want to point out I'm saying cola because that's what it was. It was just. You know, cola it wasn't anything special. It wasn't Coca-Cola. It was just cola. And it's like, okay, so fine. And um, eh, I don't know. I can't remember. It came up to like, it was like, I don't know, seven or eight bucks, something like that, which to me, I mean, it, you know, it was a good, it was a good uh, sausage dog you know it's probably all beef i guess i mean it, it wasn't skinny but still 
I remember it being quite expensive. And that was the total cost that didn't include the soda. Well, I, as I'm saying, the, 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 the uh, soda was sold separate. And the soda was $1.75. And I thought about it. And I said, okay. And so I <clears throat> licked my wounds. I was really hungry. And plus, I was doing this for two good causes. One was in the name of science and research. And the other one is, well, for what I'm telling you now. Anyway, um... Went to um, some time later, I don't know, a couple weeks later or whatnot, but I remembered uh, the cost of that soda. And I found that soda, the exact same soda, and it was in a, a huge, you know, pack. It was like, I don't know, 36 of them or something. It was a huge pack. And when I came up with the cost, I said, yeah, that's that's the same one I had. And I came up with that and I came up with a price, right? Simply simple calculation for the price. And it came up to like 28 cents. Okay. Now, that is an example of exactly what I'm talking about. Because if, even if I round that off, say it's 30 cents, okay, well, I could certainly sell that for 60 cents each, and I've doubled my money, and I could be happy. But no, that's not the psychology of theft. And that's anything beyond that really is ridiculous. Now, I realize maybe that there are a number of you out there and you're saying, oh, I'm maybe I'm, a, you know, I'm being I'm just being, you know, stupid over this or I'm a tightwad or what have you. And that's fine. I can live with that. But ask yourself this. Remember, it's your financial death by a thousand jabs. You don't get the big ones so much as the little ones, and that's one of hundreds. In other words, it all adds up. So, yeah, I mean, if they um, would have doubled their money, it's like, eh, okay, fine, 60 cents, um, fine. I don't have so much of a problem with that. But we're talking a dollar seventy-five, and that's what I mean by the profit ratios. And there's absolutely nothing to stop it or curtail it, because all have jumped on this bandwagon to the point where it is—it's just open, openly criminal. I mean, you know. It used to be, and I'm sure that there's a number of you out there old enough to remember this, it used to be, it was called fast food for a reason, because it was fast and it was cheap. Not anymore. If you get a big burger at, say, a Carl's or 
Hardee's or whatever your big chain is, wherever you live, you know, and you get, they always push like a medium fry and you're going to get a bigger drink. And, you know, you're talking somewhere between 10 and 12 bucks. And that's crazy. Because for amongst other things, it's not that much food. It's really not. And so you have, like I said, the one-two punch of um, this this whole thing of um, the profit ratios. And before that, then it was the hyper devaluation of our dollar once leaving the gold standard. And then we accepted fiat currency. And it's just been, uh, well, it's been downhill rapidly ever since. And guess what? If both of these things are not curtailed and it's going to take laws that actually have teeth um, to do this, then it will only get worse and worse. Hello again, and thanks for listening. By all means, please do leave a comment because not only do I want to know what you thought about this episode, but so does the rest of the world. And here, your opinion really matters. Until next time, I am Ernest Mann, and I am out of here.